Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Energy efficiency of our homes has steadily improved over the millennia. I mean, thousands and thousands of years. I mean, you know, I'm counting a cave as a home. Now, luckily, we no longer have to sleep on the floor in a smoke-filled cave. It's cold. It's wet. It's hungry. You've got to go outside to go to the bathroom. Actually, it sounds like a lot like camping. I mean, that's why, that's, at least that's the way my wife looks at it. But even homes were built 25 years ago are not nearly as energy efficient as current homes. So in this week's show, we'll look at energy-efficient buildings from two perspectives. First, what should you consider in a brand new home? What are some of the technologies and things that should go into it so you can spend less money on energy? And second, how can you improve your existing home? So in both cases, consider energy efficiency actions that are cost-effective, not over the top. So I'm not suggesting quadruple glazed windows or 24-inch thick insulated walls and a windmill on your roof. We're looking at things that are practical, reliable, industry standard, and that will fit into your neighborhood. All right. So first, in my mind, kind of in, in, in dreamland, if I had to build a brand new house from scratch, what would an ideal 21st century house look like from an energy perspective? All right, first, the building design. So the design of the building kind of depends on your location. If you're in a really cold climate, you might want something that's more box-like because if it's more square cubicle, there's less surface area for a given volume. And the surface area is where you get a lot of energy infiltration and and heat loss. So you're going to want something that's two stories high and kind of like a box, like a square or a cube. If you're in more hotter climates, you want to design it a little bit differently so that you don't get as much energy absorption from the sun. So in general, wherever you are, I'm a big fan, obviously, of solar. But I'm a big fan of having big, unobstructed south roof areas. Not lots of little gables and, and weird roof sections, because then you can't put the solar panels on the roof. And, you know, we're not talking about solar tiles, because that they're not going to be here for a long time. But a nice big rectangular area where you can put a big solar array. It doesn't only have to be on the south. It can also be on the east or even west. In many cases, West is is better right now because electric rates are higher in the afternoon, and that way you generate more power when the electricity is high. The other thing you should do from a building design standpoint is think about passive solar design concepts. Passive solar is when there's not a solar electric system or a solar thermal system with pumping water or pumping air around. Passive design concepts work so that they collect the heat in the winter when you need the heat, and they reject the heat or reflect the heat away or don't let the heat get into the building in the summer. So something as simple as overhangs on south and west facing roofs is really good because if you have an overhang in the summer when the sun is high, then then the sun's not going to hit the side of the walls. It's not going to go into the windows and it blocks that solar gain. It works really well. But then again, in the winter, when the sun is lower, you actually can have the sun kind of sliding in underneath that overhang and, and the, the wall and the windows can get that direct sunlight. Another thing to do is have a lot of thermal mass, stone floors, for example, in the areas that are hit by the, the winter sun um, in the afternoon. The other thing to think about is consider livable basements in hot climates because basements are going to generally be cooler 
than than surface areas or, or um, areas where there's a lot of make sure you got areas where there's a lot of thermal mass that are going to be cooled down by the ground because the ground is pretty much always once you go down about four feet or so ground is always about at a 55 degree temperature all right so that's the building design you want to think about that from the beginning all right second building shell these are the walls the floors the roofs so lots of insulation in the walls measure we measure insulation by the R value with a standard two by four wall you got about three and a half inches of wall cap you can get to about an R15. You can go off the deep end and put in a 2x6 framing. It's going to be more money, but you can get more, even more insulation in there. It's going to give you about a 5.5-inch cavity. All right, windows and doors. Obviously, everything should be double-glazed. The doors should be insulated. You can also get reflective clo- coatings on the outside glass. That works really well to reflect heat on really hot days where there's a lot of direct sunlight. Stay away from metal frame windows like aluminum. They were the old-fashioned things, but now wood or plastic has less heat loss. Okay, roof. The the actual surface of the roof, that's an aesthetic choice. Remember, you're going to put solar panels up there, so make sure that you can you got room for that and that the tiles can accept that. And also, make sure you've got lots of insulation in the attic, 12 inches or more. Don't forget to insulate the floor if you can, if you have an unheated basement. All right. Now, the biggest energy loss from most existing homes, not necessarily new homes, but existing homes, is from air infiltration. In plain English, that means air leaks. The air leaks in through gaps between the windows, the, the doors, even little holes in the wall. So when you're building a new house, the, the most new codes have a building wrap product that goes around the entire house. It, it actually seals up most of the leaks. And then make sure that your doors and window penetration are really well sealed. Okay, so that's the, the, the building shell. That's kind of to make sure the air doesn't leak in or out and then make sure that you've got good insulation. The biggest users of energy in a house typically are HVAC, heating, ventilating, and air conditioning. All right, so what, what I would do looking at a new home is consider what's called a split system heat pump. Now, you can put two or three of these little systems in. They're really popular in Asia, and they're cropping up all over a new construction. So you may have one little heat pump system that's going to handle the living areas of the home, the kitchen, the living room, the dining room, the den where people are kind of during the day. And then you have another completely different system. Small systems are not really expensive. They're going to handle the heat and the cooling for the bedrooms. And these can be controlled independently. You kind of have the the bedroom system that's completely off until the evening. And that way you don't even have to bother heating that section of the house. And then they can automatically be controlled with the remote controls. I mentioned heat pumps. Because heat pumps are generally more efficient than traditional furnaces. And and electricity is only going to get cheaper and cheaper. Fuel like gas is really cheap now, but that might not stay that way. So I kind of like the concept of heat pumps. Most heat pumps are air-to-air heat pumps, but there are also water source heat pumps that have coils that are in the ground that can absorb some of the the temperature in the ground, which is always at around 50, 55 degrees. And heck, I started doing my heat pump work almost 40 years ago with a ground source heat pump. So they work really well. Hot water heater. I'm going to lump that in with the HVAC system. Um, When it comes to heating hot water for your house, still, without a doubt, natural gas is the cheapest way to do it. So you'll have a a natural gas heated hot water heater. Um, If it's a tank heater, you want to make sure that's really well insulated. A lot of new homes have tankless hot water heaters, so you don't even have to maintain that hot water, and that's more efficient. Eventually, we're going to have heat pump hot water, where you're going to have an electric 
coil and it's going to heat things up or it could actually be directly heated from the sun. Keep in mind that your hot water heater is going to be electric in some way. Even that pilot light is going to take some juice to start up. Okay. All right. Let's talk about appliances and gadgets. Now, these these appliances like TVs and things like that used to use a lot of energy, the refrigerators. But now with high efficiency appliances, when you're putting in a new house, you're going to get all new appliances. It's worth spending a little bit of extra money to make sure your refrigerator and maybe a separate freezer, your washer your dryer, your dishwasher, your entertainment systems, all are as efficient as possible. Spend a little bit more money and get those highly efficient products. There's Energy Star ratings on things, and you can look at that, and it's really good for comparing. Generally, the more efficient they are, the more money they, they cost, but then you're going to save money. Now, here's a, an area, a couple of areas where you got to watch out. Um, with lighting, Everything should be LEDs. I'm going to talk about control systems in a minute, but with lighting, um, everything should be LEDs. You might want to consider incandescence in a limited area for places where you want to dim a lot if you want to really go down to low lighting levels because the current LEDs, all of them don't dim well, but I think they're going to get that fixed. No need for, for fluorescent lights anymore. All right, last area to talk about for new home, controls, thermostats, lighting, security, communication. As far as thermostats, get a Wi-Fi connected thermostat. There's lots of them out there. They're easy to program on your phone, and they're much easier to, to change when you're traveling. If, if you're, you're leaving on vacation, you're, on, you're driving to the airport, and your wife said to get turn the heat off, I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot. Well, just push some buttons on your smartphone, and you can fix it. Really good, and they, can also, they also have some motion sensors, so they can actually sense when people are in the home and, and warm it up. Lighting. Lighting controls. Watch out here. They can use a lot of energy. These lighting systems are always kind of on sometimes. They're always listening. We're always paying attention. They've got a a vampire loads, and that can actually add up. Security systems are the same way. Security systems can use a lot of energy. So for lighting, security, and even for communications, look for systems that are as energy efficient as possible. Stay away. I mean, I've seen a lot of these big new houses. They have an entire closet full of equipment that's running, thermostats, lighting, security, communications. There's hot air coming out of that closet because of the, the heat that it's generating, and that's just using up a lot of energy. Okay, so we talked about new homes, and we're going to talk about existing homes in a minute, but there's some interesting things that have happened in the energy efficiency world over the past five or ten years that really turned these decisions on their head. The biggest change is that energy generation has gotten really, really inexpensive. Now, it used to be that solar heating and solar domestic hot water systems and solar electric systems, even with incentives, were not as good as energy efficiency, but you know what happened? Solar photovoltaic systems, rooftop solar electric systems have gotten so cheap that actually now California recommends putting in PV systems for all new homes. The economics are so good that it's more cost effective to install a solar electric system than to insulate an existing house. It's more cost effective to put solar on the roof than to put in double glazed windows. So we're going to talk about that more later. We did some actual research on that. I'm looking at different places around the world, but it was kind of a surprise. So the conventional wisdom, insulate everything, do as much energy efficiency as you can before you put in solar. 
not the case anymore. You've got to run the numbers based on current prices. All right, another idea, which is interesting, we're not talking about specifically energy, but rainwater, because we've been in a drought for, in California for a long time, and it looks like that's going to continue with climate change. So rainwater collection systems are great for droughts. Here in Silicon Valley, it almost doesn't make sense to grow fruit trees anymore. I mean, this used to be the Valley of Heart's Delight. But water has gotten so expensive that, you know, those fruit trees that you've got around your house, your neighborhood, they're going to be, it's expensive to kind of keep those things alive and, and fruitful, so to speak. So you can solve that problem with water cisterns. And the way these water systems work, it's a big tank, as big as you want, really. You can bury it. You can put it on the side of the house. You can, you know, landscape around it. But that tank's going to be fed from your rooftop gutters. So the water hits your roof, goes into the gutters, and it goes into a tank instead of just kind of going into the storm sewers. Then you can use that saved water to irrigate your garden. Now, obviously, you're probably still going to skip that large green lawn. It's going to cost you a fortune to water, but that works. Now, there's also gray water recovery systems, and this is where you can recover water from your bath, from your shower, from your laundry, and you can recover that water to use it for irrigation. Now, sometimes it has to be purified in some ways, and there's some codes there, but you know, I've even seen companies starting to market pure, the ability to purify even the sewage, all the water that comes from the house. Now, I don't know if I'm going to go that far. Yuck, but I think that's going to happen. I mean, heck, it's good for the astronauts. So there, the, we will have complete water recovery systems that are going to be perfectly clean. All right. Now, what about the 100 million people in the U.S. who are living in existing homes and apartments? What can you do? Well, it really, once again, depends on your location, on the climate, and the age of your house. So there's a good energy audit program from the Department of Energy called the Home Energy Saver. I've been using this thing for a dozen years. I recommend you try this program and use the accurate data for your home. So a few years ago, I was curious about how solar would stack up for the existing home stock in the U.S. So what, what we did is we did simulations on 10 different cities around the U.S., all over the country, 10 biggest cities, you know, different climates. And in each city, we looked at three scenarios. We looked at a brand new house to current codes. We were looking at an average house, yeah, something that was built 10, 20, 30 years ago. And we were looking at a really old house. And we wanted to see what the DOE energy program recommended as far as energy changes, uh, energy efficiency changes. And we wanted to see how rooftop solar worked on these homes around the country. Now, the results were gratifying and, and surprising, turn the, the conventional wisdom on their heads. It turns out that in every, all around the, the country, lighting retrofits are always the most cost-effective. usually have a payback of less than one year. That means take out the incandescents, put in LEDs. Second, weatherization and insulation efficiency measures are most cost-effective in old homes in cold climates. So if you know you're in the Northeast in an old home that was built in the 30s or 40s, um, you can have a good payback from from spending the money to insulate the walls and and, uh, putting in new windows. But it doesn't make sense to do these things in new homes or newer homes. Even something that was 10 or 20 years ago, as long as you've got double glazed windows, you're good. Um, Or in temperate climates where it's not really, really cold. All right. In these cold climates, the other thing that's really good are basic building shell and ventilation things, like make sure there's no air leaks. But once again, in in temperate climates, places like California, the South, where it's it's relatively warm, you can see 20-year paybacks or more from making these changes. It kind of doesn't make sense. Even though you're going to save a little bit of money in the winter, it's not going to save a lot in the summer. Now, this is the next thing. Rooftop solar power systems have really good paybacks, regardless of the home condition, regardless of the age, old, new, medium, as long as you're in a sunny area and in areas where you either have high electric rates 
or high solar incentives. <laughs> Places where you've got both of those things happening, it's a slam dunk. So in that case, is you've got paybacks from solar in, in the range of three to ten years. Now, old-fashioned solar, the solar that I kind of grew up with, it's been around for a millennium. Solar thermal systems, they have good paybacks. And this is some solar domestic hot water or even solar hot water heating and, and uh, solar air heating, where the fuel source is electricity. So if you don't have natural gas, if you don't have an oil burner, if you're kind of running your home purely from electricity and you don't have heat pumps or anything like that, um, it may make really good sense to put in a solar thermal system. The last thing, upgrades to Energy Star appliances and equipment. It always makes sense when your appliances die and you're buying new stuff to upgrade to something that's Energy Star. But it's not cost effective to take a perfectly good refrigerator, say it's 10 years old, and throw that thing out and put in a new Energy Star one. Because you're not going to save that much as long as the thing's in reasonably good shape. Now, if you have a refrigerator that's that's uh, 50 years old, like my, my parent, my mother still has in the basement, yeah, in that case, it might make sense to, to do it. But um, unless it's really old equipment, wait till it dies. It's kind of like uh, not upgrading to a brand new high mileage car if your old car still works. All right, so to me, the biggest pleasant surprise was that installing photovoltaic panels was more cost-effective than almost any building retrofit. In other words, you can save more money by installing a $10,000 solar system on your roof than spending $10,000 to insulate your walls or you replace your windows. Totally co- um, contrary to conventional wisdom. Now, there's still some energy efficiency diehards who only want to conserve. <laughs> there's actually laws that were recently changed in California. There's something called a loading order, which said... You had to do energy efficiency before you could do solar. Now, they kind of looked at the numbers the same as I did, and they said, yeah, it doesn't always make sense anymore. All right. Now, let's kind of summarize this, and and let's say, okay, I've got a certain amount of money to invest. What should I do? Let's say I've got 500. Let's say I've got 5,000. Let's say I've got 20,000. All right. If you have a relatively modest amount of money to invest in energy efficiency, let's say $500, go to the home improvement store. Make, and, you know, if you have an older or medium house, get some caulking, get some weather stripping. You can get some, some insulation, some really top quality foil duct tape. Seal the air leaks around your house. Make, it, make sure that those tubular ducts that you have are working really well, that are no leaks. Put new tape on. Sometimes that tape kind of wears off if it was done not with the, good, the right stuff. Um, so fix those things. Take out your incandescents in the area, in the rooms that you use them all the time. At least for me, it was like the kitchen, the living room, the dining room, the hallway. Those lights are on all the time. Took out the LEDs. I saved them for a while. Now I'm just throwing them out, recycling them, and put in LEDs. Make sure you have a smart stat. They're really good. Prices have come down a lot. That's going to allow you to kind of remotely control the heat. Um, And the last thing is... Put in remote control power strap strips on your entertainment systems. These are like regular power strips. They're a little bit bigger, and there's a little uh, remote control with a lithium battery in it. And you just kind of push that button, and it turns all the outlets off. So what I do is I plug my entertainment system components, my my TV, my stereo, um, some of the other things, into that power strip. And instead of just pushing the remote control on the TV to turn it off, I just kill everything on the power strip. It stops those vampire loads. Okay, let's say I have a little bit more money to spend, $5,000. Well, this is where you can do your best to add insulation to the attic, usually pretty easy. Hard to do, add insulation to the walls, but really, you might want to repair your duct work and then spend extra money on high-efficiency appliances when you upgrade. So, you know, these things are more expensive. You'll spend a few thousand dollars. All right, now, let's say you really want to change the energy profile of your house. Um, you have 
have $10,000 to spend or $15,000 to spend. All right. Put in a PV system if you if you're an area that's got high electricity rates. I mean, you know, high right now is over 10 cents a kilowatt hour. It's almost the whole country. And then when you upgrade your heating and cooling system, make sure you put in a high efficiency system. So it's going to cost you a little bit more, but you should do it. I haven't recently looked into the numbers for replacing a standard heating system with split systems. Sometimes the ductwork can kind of be a little bit more expensive, but that's something to look into because I really like these split systems. And if you're in an area that's getting hit with droughts, like most of California, install a rainwater collection system. Pretty cool, and you're going to be happy you did it. All right, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.